Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Cop On. Hi, this is Owen. Just a very quick intro this week, just a thank you with all the joy sparks of the newly enamoured for listening to Cop On Podcast. You are about to hear Doug from the excellent Doug Out channel on YouTube, Brian in Hong Kong, and me in this, the final part of our Premier League player-by-player season review before we tickle your oracles on the subject of players numbered 23 to 76 in our squad I asked Doug about the big breaking news our new Greek god the exciting left-back Kostas Tsimikas absolutely delighted uh, the fact that it looks like we've signed our first Player this summer. Um, from what I've been reading up, he looks a looks a great uh, up, up and coming prospect. Anyway, I saw something interesting. Um, Josh Williams from Analyzing Anfield posted on Twitter um, a, a great diagram of of how he compared uh, to other ball carrying players in the Greek league. Um, I don't know if it was just left backs or players in general, but he is way out there on his own as the best in the league at carrying the ball. And I know that that's something that that Klopp really likes. He doesn't like dribblers. None, we don't tend to dribble, but actually running with the ball, Klopp loves that. And so it looks like he's, uh, you know, he's really good at that. So that's, uh, that's, uh, that's really great. And uh, to be honest, who, who would you have preferred? I mean, him or um, Jamal Lewis? Um, I mean, I read, I read that there's the they were they were linked with three. Um, obviously Jamal Lewis was obviously the, I think probably first choice, and then they would move on to obviously uh, Shimakas. Um, it's it's quite it's quite it's quite weird how you sort of pronounce his name. I think it's like a silent T, so I'm just pronouncing it as Shimakas. Uh, but <laughs> I think I think that's probably wrong. Um, and then the other the other one was the Real Madrid left back, but Regulon, who's been uh, linked, uh, who's been uh, on loan at Sevilla. Um, to be honest with you, looking at their ages, I think the Greek, the Greek fullback, the Greek left back, I, I think makes the most sense. He's 24 years of age. Um, I know Jamal Lewis, um, but the thing, the thing is that Shimakas has over Lewis is that he knows he knows how to play in Europe. I don't think Lewis has had any uh, form of obviously Champions League football or uh, Europa League football, so I-, I think they've probably chosen him over maybe the European football aspect. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, I mean he's more experienced, but I don't know. He just looks a bit better than Lewis to me. Um, obviously, I've, I've hardly seen anything of him. I mean, ten minutes is hardly enough, you know, on YouTube. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> the stats. You know, I, I did look at the stats. FBref.com. And, uh, you know, there were loads of stats there. And um, he does seem better than Lewis on quite a number of things, you know. But uh, we'll see. Mm. We can't really tell. Defensive stats have not developed enough to be able to really tell what a player's like. I mean, you know, is it whoscored.com who gave Virgil van Dijk something like 7 out of 10 for the season or 6.8? So, uh, you know, you can't. You can't really tell for a defenders, but um, yeah, we'll see. He just he looks comfortable with the ball. He looks able to run with it, and uh, if he can tackle, then uh, uh, that should be all right. So ah, he... hello, Brian. Sorry, guys. Jesus okay. Christ. 
that they literally the fuse box blew just two minutes before just for the connected this thing and then the lights went out in the apartment and oh uh, no are you are you are you talking to us in candlelight i am candlelight and i've got my kids like on a wheel so they've got this uh generator we we fixed up uh, some kind of power system uh about haphazardly and so if i get cut out it's because the children aren't running fast enough okay we'll give them a big slap from me if <laughs> cycling <laughs> okay um <laughs> uh yeah wow um well thank you so much you know in the midst of uh, mayhem to join us and cop on we were just discussing a couple of things uh, first of all the big news of course we signed a backup left back simi cass talk to us about him what do you think about it well uh uh full disclosure uh, until today, I'd never heard of him. Yeah. <laughs> <And>, well, uh, <laughs> you know, I've watched a, I watched a three-minute YouTube "Welcome to Liverpool" video, so I feel like I am in a very strong position to pass judgment on him. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, I did, well, from the little I saw of him, he, he looks pretty handy, right? He, uh, he his delivery into the box from the clips that's going around now seems pretty solid. I like the way he cuts in the insides and just darts into the box and carries on. I mean, he looks like, uh, he looks like somebody who could, who could give Andy, um, Andy Robbo, uh, you know, a run for his money. And uh, I believe uh, his stats are very similar to Robinson's where before he came, before he joined us, you know, I think uh, Andy's um, defensive stats were uh, needed a little bit of work, shall we say. And uh, this guy has a very, very similar profile. So, yeah, I'm, re I'm really pleased. It looks like a, a really solid signing. I, I had a little look at that, but only in terms of assists um, and goals. And uh, Simicas has never got more than three assists in a whole season, um, which is, you know, you might think, oh, that's not so many. Uh, but mm. Andy Robertson, when I looked at him when he was at Hull City, he... He'd never had more than four assists in a season before he joined Liverpool, uh, so it's absolutely amazing what, what you know what what a difference a clock makes. Um, we are into it. We've we've sort of kicked this off with a Timmy Cass chat, and now we're going to get into the the you know the the meat and mashed potato and gravy of this episode, which is, um, we're going to continue, of course, our LFC season ratings review, our bumper review of the season. Um, so um, the first player up after Adam Lalana, which is where we left it last time. If, listener, you haven't heard parts one and two of this season review called 99 Red Balloons, do go back. You've got uh, squad numbers one to 20 in there. Uh, and now after squad number 20, Adam Lalana is number 23, Erdan Shakiri. Now, numbers out of 10, I'll give you the ratings from everybody who's uh, filled in this little Google Doc of mine. I gave him six out of 10. Uh, Joe gave him 6.5, and he, he wrote in brackets, he gave him extra for scoring versus Everton. Uh, so that was 6.5 from Joe. Um, Robin, who can't be with us, gave, us, gave him also six. Uh, Dave from Dave's LFC Chats gave him seven. And Hiron um, gave him uh, six out of 10 as well. So 
six, 6.5 or 7 uh, is the top range. And both Doug and Brian gave him 7. Uh, Doug, why did you give Cherdan Shakiri um, a really nice 7 out of 10? I think anyone scoring against Everton needs uh, needs needs a wee boost up um, because <laughs> I just like basically like last season we obviously saw what what an impact Sha- Shakiri makes uh, as well. Uh, obviously against Barcelona we, we saw what, what he could do, um, and then obviously you know scored he, he came on as a substitute last time against Manchester United at Anfield last season and managed to you know get a, a double there and. Um, you know, anyone who scores against Everton or Manchester United already gets a gets a grade up for me. But uh, obviously, from the games we have seen seen him, uh, which hasn't been many, um, I I still think he's got a lot to offer. Especially if we don't make a a sign in uh, at the at the sort of the right hand side, because um, obviously we'll, we'll have a, we'll have a wee bit of competition there uh, for obviously Shakiri, Wilson, and uh, Harvey Elliott, of course. So. Yeah, I, I th- from from what I've seen of Shakiri, I still think he's got a lot lot more to offer, and uh, I would be very sad if he does does move on. But for me, just for the fact that he scored against Everton, and I know you gave I know you gave him a six one, but I anyone as I've said who scores against Everton or Manchester United always gets a boost up. So seven is a is is a, is a fair rating, I think. <laughs> Yeah, a lovely answer. Okay, I like your justification there. Absolutely. Um, Cherdan, I give you a couple of stats for you. Only two starts in the Premier League all season, five substitute appearances, uh, and that led to a total of 182 minutes only of Premier League action this season. Um, but, you know, he had, in those 182 minutes, he had 83.5% passing accuracy, which is very good. One goal, uh, no assists. Um, last season, he got six goals in five assists uh, and five assists, excuse me, but in, in considerably more games. Um, uh, Brian, you also gave him seven out of ten. He's on seventy or eighty thousand a week. Would you also be sad as uh, Doug would to, to to let Cherdan go, or are you are you, are you uh, happy to see the back of him given his lack of minutes? No, I love him. I mean, at the, at the risk of sounding like the guy who loves everybody who plays for Liverpool, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I am kind of aware that everything's brilliant in my eyes, right? But uh, uh, yeah, Sheridan is he's my kind of player. He's, he's got a little bit of narrow to him. He's a bit of fun. He reminds me of, um, he's got a bit of Luis Garcia about him. He's just a bit of fun, right? He gets on the pitch. You expect something fun to happen. And uh on his day, Jesus, he can turn the best players in the world inside out just for fun. Uh, and his delivery of the ball uh, is second to none. And so I think, you know, when he came on, <clears throat> unlike some other players that we've gone through uh, over this kind of <laughs> James Joyce Ulysses three-parter <laughs> of, of <laughs> analysis, <laughs> um, you know, there are some players in the squad that genuinely felt like they could have done better for, for us. But I think any, any, any chances he's got, which has been very, very limited, uh, he's done all right. You know, I don't think he's ever stunk the place out. And uh, his, um, his attitude is great as well. I mean, he seems happy to, well, he doesn't seem happy to be on the bench because you never want a player that's like that. But he, he kind of understands his position and he knows that, you know, 
he has to fight his way to get into the team, it seems. And if he gets a chance, he's happy to take it. And he's happy just to be around the club. And uh, I think when you get to, I mean, I think we've been on a journey the past, uh, you know, since Klopp has, has come to the club. And um, when you kind of go up a level in terms of what you're competing for, these are the kind of players that you need padding out the, the squad, right? You need, you need uh, players like him that on their day can, can be brilliant. Um, and I mean, I remember maybe two or three years ago when we all used to look at uh, City's squad and we looked at the people that are on the bench and just like saying, wow, some of those players that are sitting on their arses and walk into any other team, that's kind of where you need to be if you want to be in a, in a dominant position. So he's on the edge of that. I mean, he's not quite yeah, definite starter for, for a top team, but I, I think uh, I'd, I'd keep him for as, as long as possible. I think he's good value. It's a very interesting answer, and it's a very good point. And, um, you know, back in the start, at the start of your answer, you said, you know, at the risk of sounding like the person who loves all the players, loving all the players in this Liverpool squad is entirely justifiable, um, you know, given the success over the last two years. And me too, I've got a, I've got a big soft spot for Cherdan. Um, but I will say, you know, there, there are a couple of questions um, <clears throat> about him. And I'm going to go back to Doug. Um, if, you know, you want to keep Cherdan as well because he's useful. It, it, he's useful even for those 182 minutes, like starting against Everton and scoring against them. When he's, you know, so rusty is, is a tribute to his talent, you know. It's, it says something about, you know, the, the guy himself. But... He's on 70 or 80 to 80,000 per week. And I wonder if, as Brian said, I agree, you need these type of good players on the bench to come off. But is he going to stand in the way of Harvey Elliott's development if we keep Cherdan Shakiri? I think he'll sort of be sort of like a role model to Harvey Elliott. Um, I, I, reckon, I reckon if he does stay, I reckon Harvey Elliott will probably look to Mo Salah and Jordan Shaqiri and potentially, um, you know, so for them to sort of be sort of role models for um, obviously Harry Wilson, who I, I, I honestly say this now, I don't think, um, I don't think Wilson will be at the club uh, by, uh, by the, by the start of the season. So for, from that, from that perspective, yeah, I, I can see I can see where the the argument would be, obviously, to you know hinder his uh, his development. But I actually think that Shakiri Salah could be role models for um, for Harvey Elliott just to just to just to improve. I I think so. I actually think it would be a benefit to Harvey Elliott for uh, Jordan Shakiri to stay as a sort of a sort sort of a teacher, if you if you want to put it that way. So. I, I, I think Shakiri would be a, a very very good uh, a good teacher for uh, Mr. Elliot. Well, certainly certainly on the ball I would agree with you, but off the ball I think that's been the problem with with Shakiri. I mean, you know, his 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 positional sense and things. I think that might be why Klopp's overlooked him so often, as well as injuries, of course. Um, but let's let's move on. We could talk about Cherdan Shakiri all night, but then it, you know, it would become you know even beyond James Joyce. You, Ulysses, it'd be almost like Milton's Paradise Lost. Uh, but anyway, number 26, our next player on the list is Andy Robertson. He's 26 years old. He had 34 starts and two substitute appearances in the league last year. 12 assists, two goals. And for someone who's got a reputation as a bit of a 
bit of a hard guy, uh, only two yellow cards. Um, another stat I was looking at, something he might be able to improve upon, because, I mean, obviously, we're about to say how brilliant he is. Uh, but uh, he, he was dribbled past 38 times in 36 matches. Um, and Benjamin Mendy, who everyone knows is not the best defender, uh, only played 19 games, but was dribbled past 19 times. So Andy Robertson is more or less the same, dribbled past 38 times in 36 matches, pretty much once a game. But I want him to improve upon that. Um, but that's, you know, really clutching at straws at things he can improve upon because he's an absolute legend. Um, we all gave him 10 out of 10, apart from, and I'm coming to you on this, Brian, because, uh, you know, and bear in mind, Doug is from Scotland. <laughs> oh, <shit>. <laughs> <laughs> I, I literally so, thought to myself, I hope it's not me who gave him less than 10. <laughs> <laughs> and it was you, Brian, 9.5. How dare you? Because, he's, uh, because he was dribbled past too often? Oh, listen. Um, I, 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 was, I was thinking to myself, I'm going to say he's my kind of player because I don't want to sound like a broke record. He's my kind of mate. Uh, he's the kind of people. I, look, I'm from Dublin. I, I love Scotland. I love Scottish people. Uh, they're great crack. <laughs> they're, they're, Dublin people and Scottish people are very similar. And uh, I love the Scottishness of uh, Andy Robbins. His, his, uh, he's so clever and he's, he's got a glint in his eye. And, and you know, that, that one time where he pressed the ball all the way up the pitch and chased it down the whole stadium just got up like, yes! Yes, Andy Robinson. Yeah, we just from that point onwards, the love affair was sealed. Um, and uh, I'm trying to try to justify the night fight on the on real time. Um, I think he's not. I think he still has space uh, to to improve. I don't think he's like maxed out uh, completely. I, I mean, I don't know if I've given Trent ten, um, but. Uh, uh, you know, I can't fault him. I can't fault his endeavor. I can't fault his delivery. I think maybe his, uh, if he's playing the, the the attacking fullback that that you know that we get, that we play in our team, maybe his finishing could could uh, could be a little bit better. Um, but no, look, I'm 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 clutching at straws to 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 say why I didn't give him a 10. I don't know. I changed my mind. I'm going to give him a 10 now. <laughs> well, that's great. That's a great answer. Yes, um, absolutely. And uh, nothing to do with having a six foot five Scottish man on the call. Um, we're going to do the six foot five Scottish man, Doug. Um, you gave him a 10. I gave him a 10 as well. Andy Robertson, um, what does he mean to you? Oh, Andy Robertson, I mean... Mr. Mr. Braveheart, Scottish captain, um, you know, he's just been absolutely amazing this season. And I go back to the Aston Villa game. If he hadn't scored that game, we'd probably draw that game 1-1 from uh, Manny's late winner. I, like if, he, if he doesn't get on the end of that, that header for, uh, for uh, the equaliser, I don't, I don't think we go on and win that game. That was so important goal, that one, uh, as well. He's... To be fair, I think him and Trent have got their little competition now. It's about who's sort of going to get more goals and who's going to get more assists uh, as well. Um, but, um, you know, looking at it, I, I just think that he is probably one of our best ever left-backs. Um, and 
I, I may sound biased here, but I still think he's the best in the world. I still think he's the best in Europe as well. And, um, you know, he's, I love, love the fact that, um, like, I'll go back to the Barcelona game, but obviously when Messi was on the ground, like, Robertson was just going past him, give him a wee tap. And I just love that about him. He's just, he's just so funny off the pitch as well. And uh, it's, it's, it's going to be very, very interesting to see where he can, you know, go, go from, uh, from strength to strength. I just think he's been absolutely fantastic. And we've got him for so many years. And, you know, our left back and right back, that's sort of, you know, filled up anyway. So, uh, but for, for, to have Andy Robertson, Scottish Braveheart, as I, as I, as I always call him, um, it's, he's, just a, he's just a joy to watch. I think he's only had one poor game this season. It was Manchester City away. But uh, I, can, I can forgive him for that because all season long, he has been fantastic and thoroughly deserves a 10 out of 10. Uh, yeah, I would agree. I would agree. I mean, he's uh, the best in Europe. I, I would probably say his only rival for me is Alfonso Davis, um, who's so young and, you know, positionally he gets... He gets a bit lost occasionally, occasionally, Alfonso Davis, but then, of course, he's got the pace to get back. Robertson doesn't get, you know, out of position. He's there where you want him to be. Um, there's a new documentary on LFC TV that I recommend to absolutely everybody. It's called Golden Sky. It's a little review of the season. Uh, takes an hour. And Klopp was talking about that goal that you mentioned, Doug, uh, that Villa goal. Um, so important in the context of our season. And uh, Klopp was saying how brilliant it was. You know, he was there as the left back, getting on the end of a cross from our right winger um, by being in the six yard box, the head, head of that ball home. So he knows when to take risks. Um, he's so intelligent. Um, he gets up and down. He's, he's the ultimate uh, left back. Um, you know, I've seen Jordi Elba dominate the left hand side in similar ways. Um, and Robertson, the fact that he's Scottish, I think, rather than um, Italian or Brazilian or one of these uh, other other nations, you know, it's, it's um, you know, like Henderson. He doesn't get the credit he deserves uh, for a player. Um, Brian, a final word on Andy Robertson. Yeah, listen, I was just, <laughs> I just, just uh, feeling very guilty about the 9.5. Um, I, I was just thinking, like, if I could, if I clicked my fingers and I was living the dream and tomorrow I was playing for Liverpool, I know for a fact that me and Andy Robinson would become good mates. He would be the guy I'd want to hang out with straight <laughs> away. <laughs> That's the best compliment I can give him. And, it, you know, his football speaks for himself. But on, on top of that, it's uh, it's testament to the guy's character that Millie, uh, James Milner seems to like him and seems to like palling around with him. He's just a, just a, just everything you want in a in a professional. And I think you know he com he says the absolute perfect things as well. On top of that, I think recently he came out with um, uh, you know he 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 wouldn't be presumptuous enough to think that he will stay in Liverpool his entire career, but if he could he'd be living the dream or, or words to that effect. Um, so yeah, no, he's just brilliant. 
I don't know who identified him. I don't know if it was uh, Michael Edwards or someone else in the, in the transfer team or, or Klopp himself or whatever, but that person is an absolute genius. Go on the stat sites like whoscored.com, fbref.com, which I often use, or, you know, there's loads of them, SofaScore, uh, Understat, you know, the brilliant, brilliant websites all about, um, you know, with great stats about all kinds of footballers across the world. And look at Andy Robertson's form before he joined us statistically and I don't know what model LFC are using, but we're using some kind of extra special, extra brainy model to, to pick him out um, because he's, he's an absolute legend, as I've already said. Let's move on. Divock Origi, 25 years old. He's still only 25. It surprised me that. Um, he played 717 minutes in total of Premier, Premier League football. He got four goals and one assist. Um, across the Premier League campaign, those 717 minutes, it works out as 0.63 goals plus assists per 90 minutes, which, if you discount penalties, is the third best in our team after Mane, 0.82, and Salah, 0.81. So that's 0.82, 0.81 for Mane and Salah. And Divo Karigi, some way behind that, but still good at 0.63 goals and assists per 90 minutes. Um, he scored against the Ev. He scored a beauty in the last game. 70.9% passing accuracy, though. 70.9%. It's the worst in the whole squad. The second worst in the whole squad is uh, Mohamed Salah on 76.9%. Uh, Bobby on 79.6%. And uh, Sadio is on 81.6%. Now, those passing accuracies, it's a stat I always look at, it's really hard to keep the ball for attacking players because you're trying to score, you're trying to make difficult passes, you, you, you're outnumbered nine times out of ten, or nine and a half times out of ten. Um, but Divock Origi, only 70.9% passing. It's a difficult question. As um, we've already said, we love all of our players. Divock Origi is a legend but I only gave him six out of ten. Am I being harsh, Doug? You gave him seven. Um, oh, it's it's a it's a difficult one with Divock because I think you you see him being sort of dragged out on the on the wing more than he is sort of playing forward. But we saw against we saw against Everton earlier in the season that you know if you play him in a in a, in a striking role, you know. Or you can see what you can do. Um, I, I actually, I, I would be very sad to see him go. But the, the, the reality is, I just don't think he's that good enough now. Um, I know from what, what, what he did last season was, was sort of hero status. You'd have to say, um, you know, scoring two goals against Barcelona, you know, and then scoring the, you know, the clincher to, you know, win number six, which was absolutely amazing. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously there there is interest in Aston Villa uh, as well. Uh, if, if you want to believe the the rumours, I believe uh, that they wanted, um, uh, I believe they wanted to offer seventeen million. Yeah, I'm sorry, Villa. I think you think you're gonna have to do a little bit better than that because I think uh, I think we rate him of sort of about twenty to thirty. Actually, I I would actually say that probably looking at that seventeen million, I think you need to double that. I think thirty four million would be a, a good good price tag for. Uh, for uh, for Origi, but um, but no, obviously the last last uh, last game of the season, he scored an absolute brilliant 
uh, going to the bottom corner, curled it into the, the bottom corner, uh, if you want to put it that way. But he holds the ball up really, really well. But yeah, that passing accuracy is not great. And um, I just I just wonder if his time at Liverpool is coming to an end. But if, if, if it is his last season, can I just say thank you very much for what you have done against Barcelona, what you did against Tottenham. You know, to get number number six was absolutely amazing. And uh, I think I think if if, if Liverpool if, if Liverpool were to ever give you a, a statue outside Anfield, it would be justly deserved for basically what you did against Barcelona. Because I honestly thought we were dead and buried against Barcelona, but for him to come up with two amazing goals and then to you know win the Champions League, um, it was just just the stuff of dreams that you would obviously dream about. But uh, yeah. Seven. Um, I mean, as I said earlier, I think um, I think you have to say that uh, anyone who scores against Everton gets a mark up. So yeah, um, <laughs> seven seven is justified for uh, for that. But no, Diva Corrigi will become will forever be known in Liverpool folklore by getting number six. But it's difficult. Though. It's difficult to know what to do. I've changed my mind about five times. In the course of this conversation, do you reckon we should keep him? Because he's, he's 25, you would think he's, you know, if he's happy to play the, a similar role as the sort of super sub, um, he can score, he can create danger. Um, and, you know, the next couple of years, he should be, he should get even better. So I don't know, would you, would you keep him or would you, would you give Brewster a chance or get someone else in? <sighs> it's, again, it's really, really tricky, isn't it? Um... I actually, I actually wonder if uh, Brewster already has his sort of eyes on another loan move. Um, I wonder if he'll go back to Swansea. That's 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 my gut feeling. But if Brewster was to go back to Swansea, then yeah, absolutely, I would definitely keep Perigi because he, had, like I said, he is a good, like you see, he is a very good option coming from the from uh, from from the bench uh, uh, as well, and uh, you know. He, He'll probably start cup games as well, so I I would definitely keep him if Brewster um, goes goes back goes back on loan. Yeah, definitely. That's it. That's it. That's a very good answer. It's a very interesting answer, Brian. Are you a yeah definitely on the on the Divock uh, scale? I mean, that, how what do you think about him? Ah, oh, get rid of him. He's crap, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'm going to break the mold now. I'm going to go. I'm going to swim in the abstraction and throw sentiment out of the window. Uh, I would sell him, actually. Uh, if I if I could be honest, uh, I think after uh, the end of last season, I thought his stock was extremely high. His stock is extremely high. He will always be thought about thought about fondly in Liverpool. But I I. Um, he, he was one of the few players that frustrated me um, over the course of the season um, because with Divock, you know, I, you know, some of his most important games for us and some of his most important goals came off the back of doing absolutely fuck all <laughs> for most of that game. <laughs> um, if, I, I don't know if that's me remembering that, but I remember distinctly some, uh, like I think it was Carragher or somebody was saying, you should take him off, he's absolutely doing nothing. And then he comes up with this really important goal, which it's, it's, it's um, I'm kind of thinking, um, 
same with uh, Shakiri. You know, Klopp uh, doesn't play him so often because he's positionally sloppy. Um, and Klopp's Liverpool is all about the system and the the team, and not necessarily individually individual brilliant players. And so when he comes on, and he comes on, for, especially when he comes on for Bobby, uh, I found. Um, like he'll come on for the last fifteen minutes, and I'm thinking he's coming on fresh. Uh, he just, you know, he's got a lot of uh, gas in the tank, and he just doesn't seem to. I don't. I mean, I don't know if this is his instruction or not, but he seems to be on his heels quite a bit, and he's not chasing down balls like he should. He takes a bit of a while to kind of get up to speed in a game. That's not to say I don't like the guy. I do like the guy. Uh, I love the way he scores these important goals. That Everton goal will forever make me laugh. You know, and that for, he should have a statue outside of the club just for that reason. I think at some stage I will try and build a statue of him in my garden uh, just to celebrate that goal. Uh, and it will be there apparently for, for all eternity. Um, but if we are being, you know, you know business-like or, you know, Michael Edwards-like, uh, there's an argument to be had that you now is possibly the time, the perfect time. Well, COVID and all that stuff going on aside, if the transfer market was normal, I would say that this is probably the best time to sell, to sell somebody like Divock. Um, because for me, he's still, I don't know what you're going to, I don't know what you get from him sometimes. You know, I can't say for sure what you're going to get. And uh, is, is he good enough to back up uh, the, our front three, no, I don't think he is. I mean, is he is he good enough to be in the squad? Yeah, but I think his position in our squad is the best striker outside of those top three. And for me, he's not that. And so I'd rather see Brewster uh, get game time uh, because he's got a lot more potential to uh, to be a lot better than than Divock. Um, but if he stays, I'll be happy. I won't be like, oh, you know, oh, damn, he's staying. But I think all the players that have left the clubs this summer are the players that needed to leave. And I would have been uh, disappointed if they still stuck around. I think it was the best move for them. Um, Divock is one of those players that are 50 I could take it or leave it. If he sticks around, I'm happy. He's a good guy. He's a good guy to be around the squad. If he's the guy that's backing up our front three, then I don't think he's that guy. And I think he's uh, he's had his chance this this season, and I don't think he took it. If I'd be really really harsh, <laughs> no, it's really it's really interesting. No, it's really interesting to hear that. Yeah, the other the other side. Um, I think realistically, um, you know, if we're going to put our Michael Edwards cap on, um, it would all boil down to the, the price and any offer coming in for him. You know, if someone you know came in with seven million bids, then you know you tell them to to go to, you know, go to Goodison, a.k.a. hell. Um, <laughs> you know, you, you know, basically offered 20, 30 million, it would be, yeah, it would be very, well, certainly 30 million you would accept, but uh, 20. I think anything north of 20, I would be like, yeah, yeah. straight away, definitely. Yeah. That, that's a good deal. Yeah, so it depends on the price, but we're sort of happy either way. If we get a good price for him, we wish him all the very best. And if he stays and comes up with some more iconic goals with floundering performances at the same time, then we can all cheer him on and, uh, you know, um, congratulate him for just being himself, the enigma that is the Divock. Uh, the next one on the list is, uh, numerically, is uh, Joel Matip, number 32. Now, this is... Um, pretty 
interesting. Um, 8.5 was his lowest mark out of 10. That was uh, from Hiron, who was a guest in our last episode from the Deshi Reds. It was great to have Hiron on. Um, he gave it the lowest. Um, there are uh, four people who gave him 9 out of 10 and two people who gave him 9.5 out of 10. I was one of those people because I think Joel Matip has been absolutely brilliant. But then I looked at the numbers and even though Divock Origi's been a sub and unused most of the time, he managed 717 minutes, but Joel Matip only played 703 minutes. That's eight starts and one substitute appearance in the Premier League. So I looked outside, it's like, surely not. I remember Matip being in our team more often than nine times, you know, eight starts and one substitute appearance in the Premier League. And he was in, involved in one FA Cup game and only two European Cup games. So good stats from when he plays, great stats from when he plays, uh, 84%, um, you know, the best in the squad for his his tackles. Um, so 84% passing accuracy, I think it was, uh, which was very good. And he, he's the best in the squad for tackles with Trent Alexander-Arnold. Um, he, he had 90% headed duels one, which is the best in the entire league. Um, he was third, only just third behind Nico Williams and Joe Gomez for interceptions and second in our squad behind Virgil van Dijk for clearances. There are lots of stats that are really, really good for Joel Matip, which justify 9.5 in my opinion. Um, but Doug, only 703 minutes. Now he's an injury prone guy. Um, we've seen that in the few years that he's been with us, but he's brilliant at the same time. Uh, what do you reckon uh, about Joel Matip, Doug? Oh, I can't, I can't, I can't speak any any highly of of Joe Matter. Is when he when he celebrates when he celebrates his winning trophies, you can be you can just basically see those big hands basically just celebrating. I don't know, I don't know if he I don't know if he doesn't know what to do or anything, but it actually it actually comes across as, as as funny. But no, I actually remember at the start at the start of the season that Matter started like a house on fire. Uh, obviously scored the you know the goal in the Community Shield. And then obviously against Arsenal, uh, you know he scored against he scored uh, scored a header uh, against Arsenal, and you were thinking, oh, you know, is he going to get a, a a fair run in the team? But obviously injuries aside, they've obviously set him back again. But you cannot deny that Matip, every time he has played for Liverpool, he has been as reliable as ever, um, and. I really hope that he does stick around. Um, he's just been married, of course. He, he just got married as well, so congratulations to him for that. Um, but I just think he is like a James Milner, just Mr. Reliable. Anytime he plays with Liverpool, he has just been very, very reliable. Um, he's a very good centre-back as well. There's there's no denying it. He's a danger from set-pieces. He, he he can defend very, very well when he, when he needs to as well. Yeah, just injuries aside is what you know what is sort of cost them in a long run in the in the team. But for me, Joe Matty hundred percent stays this summer, um, and uh, yeah, PSG can uh, basically go back to uh, go back to France. I'm afraid because uh, you're not getting him. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I agree. I I would I wouldn't sell him at all. But um, I don't know, Joe Joe Massett, Brian. Where? How would you rank his season? Um, 
I, so how can I say about John Matter? Well, put it this way, when I am playing Pro Evo and uh, when I swap out uh, Joe Gomez to Joe Matter, there's just no difference for me mentally. I just think it's the same. It's just, you're getting the same level of player. Um, so Pro Evo with, is what counts, right? That's it. It's like if it works on Pro Evo, it'll work in real life. That's that's that, that's why judge things on you know and everything. There's there's a lot more to be said about Pro Evo than people give it credit for. You know, so you can find meaning in life on Pro Evo. Uh, um, yeah, look, he's um, oh man, as a backup, as a backup centre back, can you think of anyone better? I mean, he walk into if he's fit, he walks into any team. I think in the Premiership. Yeah. I mean. I mean, he's brilliant. And the only reason he doesn't get more game time, um, injuries aside, um, is, you know, Van Dyke played every single game of the season. I can't remember a season in, in my living memory when a centre-back for Liverpool did that. I can't remember when that last that happened. I, I don't know. Um, and Gomez is just such a, such a stud of a, of a, of a young centre-back, right? He's brilliant. So you're not going to get him it's difficult to budge him out of that position as well. So when those two are fit, they play. But when, when Gomez is not around um, or we're resting him, I really, I have no qualms about um, uh, Joe being in the team. He's, you know, he's so quiet. He goes about his business. Uh, his stats are amazing. His heading is just off the charts. If the ball's in the air, he gets it. And like when um, Degsy, bless him, <laughs> we'll never forget you. <laughs> Degsy, <laughs> light, light a candle. <laughs> uh, when Degsy, um, you know, there's a real, the, the diff, like when Degsy plays and you remember how good Joel is at heading the ball, like it, the, the, the comparison is just so stark. So, yeah, I mean, as long as he's, I mean, I think he's a player that we want to try and keep happy with game time. Um, like give him, give him, give him the cups, and give him, give him x amount of games a, a season uh, in the in the league in Europe, whatever. But uh, yeah, no, he's yeah, he's brilliant. And uh, I mean, I don't know what the extent the extent of his uh, injuries or injury problems are. Is it is it as bad? Is it really bad? Uh, I mean, but I wouldn't let whatever, even if it's bad, I wouldn't let him go. He he's he's brilliant. Yeah, really, really good. And I can't think of a better backup centre back. In, in the English game at the moment. Well, you see, I would disagree with you there, Brian, because I don't think he is a backup centre-back. I think if Joel Matip and Joe Gomez start... Uh, sorry, if they're both fit, then Matip starts alongside VVD. For me, I would put... OK, Matip but... Yeah, I, I, no, I, I, I understand what you're saying. Um, but, OK, fine. Yeah, that, but that's what I mean. That, that's what I mean. In reality... Uh, there's so there's such little to uh, to split the difference between Joe uh, Joel Matip and Joe Gomez that you know how do you how do you accommodate them both right and um, you get I think you get something different from each player. I mean, what you get is a, is a is a centre back that's almost you know world class that Verge loves playing with. They both give a, a different kind of dynamism to the to the play, but the reality is one of them has to sit on the bench right because we play four at the back. So if it's him great if it's joe uh sorry joe fine i don't care which one sits on the bench as long as we can keep him happy sitting on the bench so that's what i'm trying to say he's i mean i don't think of him as a center as a as a backup center back no way um but he seems happy enough to fight for his position to get in there and yeah i i agree with you you know when he's fit 
uh, you know, he's more experienced. He, he offers something different to, to Joe. Probably doesn't have the same dynam uh, so, uh, same pace and dynamic uh, element to his game, but he's steady as you, go, as you like at the back. So, yeah, look, he, he's as good as it gets when, like, considering he's sitting on our bench uh, a lot of the time. That's, that, that's, what, that's what I mean by that. Oh, yeah, okay, fair enough, absolutely. Um, Doug, uh, um, oh, sorry, before we move on, um, well, I'm, I'm going to ask you another question about Joel Matip, actually, but um, I did look up, I'm looking at uh, Joel Matip's um, injury history on transfermarket.co.uk, um, and he's had uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven injuries since joining us at the beginning of the 16-17 season, um, ranging from three games missed to 20 games missed, which was last season. Um, and last season's problem was a knee injury. Um, apart from that, um, going backwards in time, uh, in 18-19, he had a collarbone fracture. In 17-18, he had three injuries, hamstring, miscellaneous muscle injury, and thigh problems in 17-18. And then in 16-17, he had two ankle injuries. Kept him out for a total of 10 games. So, yeah, apart from his injuries, he is brilliant. We are all agreed on that. But, Doug, um, would you, if you could only pick one, would you pick Joel Matip or Harry Maguire for your team? <laughs> oh, gosh, that's, that's like... Uh... That's like comparing, um, what was it? That's like comparing sort of honeycomb ice cream and uh, and sort of uh, oh, what's what's a really bad uh, what's a really bad sweet apple top of shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Joe Matty uh, is oh, uh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Ten million times better. Than Harry, Harry Slabhead Maguire. Is that is that is that justifiable enough? Um, but no. Can I can I just say? I think people forget he came for free. What a free transfer signing he has been for for for, for Liverpool. He has been fantastic, and as I've said, uh, he is really 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 reliable. And uh, yeah, he he uh, he is way way better. Than, uh, than Harry Maguire. So, yeah, um, to answer your question, um, well, obviously he's 10 million times better than Harry Maguire. Um, but, yeah, Joe Matty would make my team any day of the week. It's a great answer. Absolutely, yeah, 100% agree. Harry Maguire, I, I don't, I think Harry Maguire is not that bad. He's not as bad as people say. But Joe Matty is still 10 million times at least better because I think he's unbelievable. Um, I just thought of something. I question this transfer market um, injury history page because it doesn't have the fact that he missed the last few games, didn't he, with another problem. I can't remember what it was. Uh, but he definitely broke down after lockdown, didn't he? But what a great season he's had despite the injuries. The next one on the list, we've only got three players left. We're getting into the you know, the, the, the high numbers of our squad. Number 48 is next, Curtis Jones. He's soon to be number 17. You know, of course, the legendary number associated with, um, you know, Ragnar Klavan, as well as, you know, Stephen Gerrard or whatever. Um, but uh, Curtis Jones, I gave him 8 out of 10. Um, Joe gave him 8 out of 10. 
Uh, but Doug, I'm staying with you on this. You gave him nine out of ten. Um, why are you giving Curtis a nine? Yeah, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna be justifiable here again. Uh, this man is the real deal. This man is the real deal. I I actually remember watching Curtis Jones in an under twenty three match, and I was like, "Who is this boy? Who is this boy?" Because I tell you something, uh, his goal against Everton has now won the FA Cup goal of the season, which is highly highly deserved. Um, it was just a fantastic fantastic goal. Um, became the youngest ever Liverpool captain against uh, Shrewsbury Town at Anfield as well. What a moment that was for him. Um, and obviously scoring, uh, you know, his first couple of goals and obviously, the you know, the Premier League as well. So he's he's just been a joy to watch all season. Any time he's been on the pitch, he, he looks a real danger. Um, against Burnley, I know he was substituted very early on to start that game. He was very, very good. Very, very good in that game. And then obviously... You know, against Aston Villa, comes onto the pitch, and you know, within you know five ten minutes, he's he gets on the score sheet. But no, Curtis Jones for me is probably one of the best youngsters to come out of the club uh, this season, and uh, he is only going to get better. And uh, I, this this man is the real deal. I am a big big fan of Curtis Jones, and uh, I'm I'm a big fan of him moving to number seventeen uh, as well. As you say, legends like Ragnar Klava and and obviously, you know, Steve, Steve McManaman as well. He wore number 17. And, of course, Steven Jarred as well. So, um, I am I am very, very impressed with Curtis Jones. And he is only going to get better. So, a nine for me is totally justifiable. From basically being, being the youngest ever Liverpool captain against Shrewsbury Town. Scoring that absolute worldie against Everton. Where Jordan Pickford's uh, little arms couldn't keep it out. And um, you know, obviously bursting onto the bursting onto the scene from the the Premier League. So a nine for me is totally justifiable. Excellent stuff. Excellent stuff. Um yeah, I've got some stats on, on Curtis. Um hundred and twenty-two minutes in total only in the Premier League. That's one start, um, five as a sub, one goal. No assists in the Premier League. In the Cups, in total, both domestic Cups, uh, four appearances and two goals, including, as you said, the goal of the season versus Everton. Although, if you take a long shot against Jordan Pickford, should it really count with his tiny arm? Shouldn't they get some kind of, I don't know, special uh, dispensation for having him in goal? Uh, but his... Um, Total uh, in, in the Premier League was 87% passing success rate. 87%. That is phenomenal. He's a 19-year-old. Um, and he's, he's keeping the ball when he gets it. Um, but I had, you know, I had a nice long look at Curtis today. I had, I had a bit of time. And I looked at all of the matches he's played. And the matches that Klopp's giving him minutes for, um, are generally against what you would consider not the elite of the elite. Um, you know, he managed to start him against Burnley. Burnley were a very, very good team, of course, but they're not Man City or things like that. But what, where you can judge him on, I think, is against, you know, his two games against Chelsea. And in the FA Cup, lost to Chelsea. We lost to them 2-0, in case uh, anybody had blocked it out. 
Um, he was on the pitch for 69 minutes, okay? And he got 91.6 passing accuracy from only 52 touches. But against Chelsea, that's absolutely brilliant. It's so exciting. Um, Brian, he's brilliant, isn't he? Curtis Jones. Uh, where do you think he can improve? In what ways can he improve? Well, listen, the most obvious way uh, Curtis Jones can improve for me and it's really important I think and it gets overlooked a lot in football is his haircut man what is going on with that hair of his <laughs> he's got he, he has got the most sketchy barber in Liverpool history I mean his head looks like uh you've gone to the create a player on uh pro evo or fifa and just shows the the crappiest uh let's do a crazy hairstyle uh, look, no, no, <laughs> mad haircut aside, uh, he, what I like about him <laughs> is, um, he has that same, uh, power that Steven Gerrard has. Uh, he doesn't look phased. He reminded me of a young Steven Gerrard. When Steven Gerrard came into the team, uh, the first time, um, with his shaved head, he was putting himself about left, right and centre. And I think people were like, uh, the first thing that they noticed about him was like, he's so young and he's such a young player, but he was bullying men. And he's got shades of that about him. You know, he, he, he looks like a guy who's absolutely not faced by it in any way, shape or form. And, uh, you know, the buzz about him around, around the club and, you know, people have seen him play and whatever, you know, everybody puts him in that spe special category that he could be the next guy to break through into the team. Um, so, I mean, I haven't seen enough of him to say, oh, he needs to work on this, he needs to work on that. I, I think from what I saw of him, the chances he got, he took them pretty well. And he, he didn't look out of place in our system. Uh, there wasn't a drop off. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I think, I just think players that like him that play for Liverpool, they have to realise the challenge that's ahead of them. Um, and uh, they just have to be, you know, he needs to keep his standards sky high. I mean, he has to be really, really, really special to, to break through this current Liverpool squad and to, to, to nail on a new person. And also he needs to get lucky. Like, you know, look at Trent. Trent was not the best right back uh, at our club. You know, far from it. And uh, Kleine, you know, got injured. Uh, the time, the, the the timing was just right for for Trent. There was the right manager in place, the right situation. He got given a few games. He took them with with uh, with open arms, and and the rest is history. And I think something similar could happen. I mean, I don't think Curtis Jones is in the same position that Trent uh, was in when he broke in, because I think. Uh, I think he's more established than Trent was when he got his chance. Um, but I think he just needs to know the challenge that's ahead of him. Breaking into the Liverpool midfield is is one of the hardest jobs in, in football for a, for a young player. And uh, he has everybody backing him behind him because he's a local boy and we all want him to do it. Nothing will make the Liverpool fans happier to see him on the team sheet regularly. So... I mean, so far, so good. I just think, I think he's got it. He looks like he's a player. He looks like mentally he's, he's got the right stuff to, to make that um, jump. And I think now, I mean, he's got the right manager with him. He now just needs the right 
um, run of the rub of the grass and, and right break, right bit of luck to get an extended uh, run on the team. And if he if he does get a, an extended run on the team, he needs to take it with both hands and really stamp his authority onto that those performances. But uh, yeah, haircut aside, yeah, great. <laughs> no, yeah, great stuff. I, I, I'm going to say just a little word before we move on. I like his hair. I like it. I like it. I think it's different. It's certainly different, but it's sort of like, um, it's like a bouquet of flowers. You yeah. like all the haircuts. You like Bobby's red. You oh, like Bobby's on. haircut. Come on. Of course. Um, oh. Yeah, actually, that's true. <laughs> no, to be honest, I like the, I like the, the, the haircuts that are a little bit different. They, you know, a little bit individual. Um, I don't know. Um, Jordan Henderson, for example, I don't like his hair because it's too, it's too, I don't know, it's just too normal. But, you know, that's the only thing I can criticise him on. But there you go. If, if, this is football about opinions. Uh, let's move on. Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold. Um, he played in every Premier League match. He didn't start all of them. He had 35 starts. But three substitute appearances mean, means that he featured in every single game. Uh, four goals, 13 assists. So he beat Robbo by one. Um, I've never seen a player, uh, a British player, dominate the right-hand side like Trent does. I've only seen two players dominate the right-hand side um, in attack and defence uh, in my life, and they were both Brazilian. They're Cafu and Danny Alves. I'm going to get on to things that I think Trent can improve on soon, because I really do think that there are some things he can improve upon. But Doug, for now, um, you gave him 10 out of 10. Lots of people gave him 10 out of 10. Um, Trent Alexander-Arnold, his season was magnifico. Oh, absolutely. I, I, don't, I don't think I've ever seen like a right back. Like I, I thought Trent was good last year. For me, he's just excelled this season. Um, I added a few more goals to his game as well. Like I remember the game against Leicester City where he was absolutely tremendous on that on that right hand side and obviously you, you know the the fourth goal you know he does Mbappe you know he does Mbappe celebration uh, as well um I mean he's just he's he, he's just been absolutely fantastic and you know, like you say 13 assists obviously did, did beat Robertson uh this season as well but um some of the goals he scores as well like Leicester aside obviously the, he's he scored home and away against Chelsea free kicks um as well uh, the, the the one against Crystal Palace was absolutely superb as well, um, and I, and you know what I think I think actually people forget that actually he burst onto the scene against Hoffenheim and he scored a free kick there as well. So we all knew from when he burst onto the scene that we knew that we we had a we had a special special player. But no, Trent for me has been absolutely fantastic this season. And uh, what can he improve on? Uh, I think. Some of his some of his final balls, like apart apart from obviously uh, like a couple of games, weren't 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 at it. Um, but you have to say that he is a special special player. Um, and my goodness me, what 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 a what what a, what an eighteen months it's been for for a twenty year old from Liverpool, Champions League, European Super Cup, World Club Cup, Premier League. I don't think it can then get any better, can it? Well, yeah, I mean, until we win the double next season of the Champions League and the Premier League and the uh, quintuple the, the season after that. Um, but yes, absolutely. Great answer, Doug. Um, 
Yeah, um, and I agree with you. His final ball is one of the things I wrote down, something he could improve upon. Um, I mentioned before the passing accuracy of Divock Origi was the worst of our attackers. That's what I was supposed to say before that. I didn't say correctly. He was the worst of our attackers, 70 points uh, something percent that Divock was on. And Mohamed Salah is our second worst player. And you expect that from attacking players that they have the worst passing accuracy. And Trent Alexander-Arnold is effectively an attacker, isn't he? But he's got the third um, lowest passing accuracy. I think it was 76 point. 8% or something in the entire squad. Now, obviously, he's playing risky passes, but I think a lot of the time, when you look back at games, as I've done with, uh, you know, like you're not so in emotionally involved, um, you can see that he, for me, he makes too many unnecessarily risky passes um, when... I don't know, he's trying to force the issue a bit unnecessarily, whereas keeping the ball for the team would be a better solution in that, in that moment. Um, that's one thing he could improve upon. But generally, Brian Trent is, um, um, yeah, so, I mean, what's the word for Trent? Have you got any words for Trent? Uh, gnarly, he's gnarly. I like, I like, I like good one. <laughs> I like that about him. It's really surprising, actually, because you know he was very as quite a slight fellow when he first burst into the team, but he's really packed on some muscle. Um, the last uh, year or so, he looks like a different player, and he, you know, he seemed kind of like a quiet guy again. But um, it became quite apparent that you know he was a guy who'd like to just you know, give a player an elbow in the face when he's walking past him or, you know, he's got a little bit of, uh, you know, he gets, he gets edgy. Um, and, uh, and I just love that. Absolutely love that. I'm with you on, I mean, what did, how much, what's, what did I score him, uh, for the, for the season? I've forgotten now. Oh yes. Sorry. Yeah. You asked that earlier as well. Yeah. You're the only one like with Andy Robertson to give him 9.5 instead of 10. So again, you're a <laughs> Brian. Yes, I am. I love it. Uh, well done, me, for doing that. <laughs> uh, because you know what the thing about um, uh, Trent is, uh, I'm a, I agree with you. I think um, whilst he he absolutely was brilliant this season, and he is brilliant, and he's great, and he he does have room for improvement. There is definitely clear areas in, the, in his game where he can improve, and I, I just think he wasn't as consistent as some of the other players in the squad. There's certain games where he, his performance for me dropped down a notch and it was a little bit infuriating. And he, he does occasionally make bad decisions um, when uh, deciding whether to chuck in the ball or to retain uh, possession. Um, so, you know, next season... For, for me, if, if he could be more, make more solid and, and be more consistent, um, just a little bit, then he'd be a 10. But there, there was times in the season, I can't remember, probably earlier on in the season when um, he wasn't quite at it. And uh, I know that, you know, I'm not, I wasn't the only one saying that. I know some other people picked up on it as well, that, you know, some of his performances were left a little bit to be desired. And that might that may sound harsh, right? Considering everything else he did and everything else he's contributed to the team, 
but that's the that's the beauty of where we are right now as as champions of the world current champions of europe current champions of england super cup champions champ champions you know when you're champions of everything the margin for error is so small and especially when you have a team like city chasing you down you just can't afford to take your foot off the pedal in small sections of the season not 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 big sections but there were certain games where he uh he was like a seven for me when he could have been at least an eight or an 8.5 in terms of performance and he's just such a young player so that's that's fine but i think if he wants to push on to the next level the next level for him is just to be consistent throughout the entire season like there was i can count on one hand the amount of times verge you know gave us a question mark you know throughout the season and i think uh, that's the next step for uh, trent it's a very interesting answer and that is something i i absolutely agree with you and i'm very happy to quibble over 9.5 or 10 out of 10 for a season in which we've won the premier league i'm very happy to be having this discussion uh, but uh, yes one thing another thing i wrote down something you can improve upon um Robbo has one less assist in total, but Robbo has five more assists in open play than Trent. So as, as, as do lally as it sounds, Doug, I think uh, Trent can actually improve on his assists uh, and consistency that Brian said. Would you agree with, the, with those things that he can improve upon? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, um, basically, the you know the sky's the limit now for him. I think I think if he does improve his assist, you know we could potentially see, you know, him doing what Kevin De Bruyne has done this season, and you know get was it was it twenty or twenty one assists this season, which was uh, amazing for um, you know a, a player of Kevin De Bruyne's stature. So I think I think if I think if Trent can improve his assist, I think we could see more higher numbers for sure. Yeah, well, he's the first pick in my fantasy team. Him and Mohamed Salah every year. Um, he'll be there again for next season because it's just marvellous to watch him develop. And uh, uh, hopefully he will add those things to his game. Um, right, we've actually accounted wrong before. Not for the first time, not for the last time. We've actually just got two players left now. Um, one of them, the first one is number 67. Is Harvey Elliott. Now, Harvey Elliott, he had only eight minutes of Premier League action this season. So that doesn't count. Um, in the FA Cup, he had 237 minutes, uh, three appearances, no goals, no assists. In the EFL Cup, the Carabao Cup, whatever you want to call it, 300 minutes, um, three full games there, no goals, no assists. Um, He's young. What, what is he still? 16, 17, maybe. Um, he's just a kid. Uh, it's way too, it would be way too harsh to judge him on, what is that, 545 minutes of football. Um, but I've just got one question for you guys. And Doug, I'm going to stay with you first. Um, Harvey Elliott, I don't see him developing as an attacker in the Mo Salah sort of, you know, the right side of a 4-3-3. I see him a little bit deeper than that in a sort of, you know, Iniesta position, if you like, sort of as a link man, using that marvellous technique he has to, to knit things together rather than, um, you know, be the uh, explosive person you need at the end of moves. Is that something you see 
I mean, obviously, it's, it's, like you say, it's, it's a, bit, a bit hard to judge, but is that how you see him developing in the future? Is a little bit further back than the front three? Quite potentially, yeah. Quite potentially, we could see that. But um, I, it's, a really, it's a really tricky one because obviously we haven't seen much of Harvey Elliott this season. Uh, but I do think we'll see a lot more of him next season. Um, I think he's 18. I can't remember. I can't remember if he is 18 or not. But I, I, do, I think he is 18, and I think he did sign a uh, like a like a sort of a professional contract with the with the club. I think so. Uh, that was obviously signed, sealed, and delivered as well. So, well, no, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but he, yeah, he is only 17. I just looked it up. He was born on 4th of April 2003. So it's when you're 17 that you can sign your professional contract. So yeah. Ah, okay. 17. Okay. Um, but uh, going back to your, your question, do I see him dropping back? Uh, it's, a re- it's a really tricky one. Um, you could potentially see that happening. Um, but I do, I do still think he is a right winger. I, I do, I still, I do still think he is a sort of an understudy to Mohamed Salah and obviously Jordan Shakiri uh, as well. But I think, I think, uh, I think he'll, I think he'll do well next season. I think, I think he'll. I would be very surprised if he doesn't play in the, you know, the Community Shield. I think he will probably play in the Community Shield, and I think, I think he, if he does start that game. Then we'll see what he's he's really made of. But um, no, I think I think I don't think it's I don't I don't think it's, uh, I don't, I don't think it's uh, a bad question to ask if he could drop back deep. Uh, quite possibly, <clears throat> quite possibly. But uh, I'm going to stick with my answer and say that he will still stay as a, a right winger. But you could potentially see him drop back into into midfield. Uh, it'd be very interesting to see. If Harvey Elliott and Mohamed Salah both start, who do you put in midfield and who do you put in the, the right wing? Because I think you put Salah right wing uh, and you probably put Elliott sort of the right side of uh, midfield. That's what I would do I, as a sort of, you know, number eight if, or, you know, or even, you know, invert that pyramid. There's a great book, Inverting the Pyramid. But, you know, instead of having um, one defensive midfielder and two attacking midfielders, you could even have two defensive and and put uh, Harvey Elliott, you know, I'm talking in years from now, a couple of years from now, put him uh, as the creator behind a front three, maybe, um, in a sort of free roll. But I don't know, I'm just I'm just going off the top of my head. What do I know about tactics? Um, Brian, you gave Harvey Elliott a, a, a whopping 7.5 out of 10. What do you like about this kid? It's surely not his haircut. <laughs> I do like his haircut. <laughs> Like that's a haircut of a man who just does not care what the world thinks of him. <laughs> uh, it's also he's got so much swag to pull that off at his age. Um, oh, listen, I'm going all in on Harvey Elliott. I think he is a phenomenal, phenomenal player. I mean, this guy made his Premiership debut when he was 15 years old. I mean, let that sink in for a second. 15, he's playing in the Premiership against the best of the best in the top league in the world. And, you know, since he came to Liverpool, let's not forget, he's the player that told, um, oh, who's that arsehole over in Real Madrid uh, that we all hate, the centre-back. That, uh, Sorry, Ramos. Just, Ramos, Ramos, Ramos. Uh, yeah, it just left me there for a second. He told him to do one. 
you know, didn't turn down the opportunity to meet him. Uh, you know, he's a Liverpool fan, not just like a pretend Liverpool fan, but he's a real Liverpool fan. He's, he's been to European away games uh, as a kid. And, uh, you know, he's just turned 17, right? And it's not like he's 17 going on 18. I believe he's just turned 17 last month. And when, he's, when he has come on for us, he has not looked out of place at all. He has looked after the ball very well. And he just did not look, there's no, no, I, I, I'm not, uh, there's no drop off in, you know, obviously he's not to the same standard as, uh, as, our, as our top three or players, but he's such an exciting player for me. And what he's achieved in the game up until this point is just amazing. And I'm telling you, when, when, oh, when, when, uh, uh, Jordan Henderson first signed for us. I, I basically went down on a limb on him. I said, he's going to be considered world-class uh, eventually at some stage. And okay, some people may not consider Jordan Henderson world-class, but he, he is the captain that has that brought back the title to Liverpool. And I'm going out on a limb with Harvey Elliott. Harvey Elliott is the real deal. Harvey Elliott will break into this team and Harvey Elliott will be a legend at this club for time to come. He has got so much time. He could spend five years developing at our club and he'd still only be 22. Um, uh, you know, if you, look, if you compare him to um, Sterling, for example, I think he's further down the road than Sterling was at that age. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and Sterling didn't have the luxury of, uh, of developing under Klopp, you know. He had wee Brendan, <laughs> a man of great character, uh, to, to look after him. Um, but 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 now, uh, uh, you know, I'm so happy for him because he's the right player at the right time in the right club. So I think we'll see more of him uh, this season, and uh, I can only see him going, you know, up and up and up. And as where he plays, I don't know. I mean, the obvious choice is um, at right wing. Um, I don't know enough about him to see if he could drop. I mean, dropping back into the midfield for Liverpool is 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 a big deal, right? I don't know. That's a different um, position altogether. But wherever he plays, I I think he'll he'll make it at this club for sure. Well, it's very interesting. I mean, thank you for the for the answer. I I'm I, I don't know. I've heard lots of other people, you know, with with similar um, opinion to, for you as you, Brian, of of um, you know how 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 brilliant he looks, etc. And and I agree, technically, he looks absolutely outstanding. And, you know, the decisions he makes are really great for someone so young. Um, but it, it's the lack of pace that you either have or you don't. And Sterling had it, you know, at age 15 or whatever. But, um, you know, you, you have it or you don't. And he doesn't have that. And I just got... I'm in two minds about him. Is he going to end up being like, um, you know talented good technical winger but without that dynamism to really you know to, well you just need pace as a winger in my opinion to to stretch teams and to you know to to cause them a lot of trouble or you know is he going to develop into sort of you know an Iniesta type and that's the kind of thing I could imagine with him just using his uh, his brilliant technique um to the best in the best possible position I don't know um, Nico Williams is our last 
you know, squad member of this Mammoth Review. Thank you so much, gentlemen. I won't take up too much more of your time. Nico Williams is 19 years old. He had three starts and three substitute appearances in the Premier League. 231 minutes of Premier League action, zero goals and zero assists. Interestingly, he had the best tackle success in our squad. Of course, only 231 minutes of Premier League action to judge him on, but 71% is huge compared to, for example, Trent Alexander-Arnold, who over the course of the entire season had 40% tackle success rate. And that's, uh, you know, tackles, you know, one versus tackles attempted is the percentage of that. 80.5% um, passing success rate as well really good. In the FA Cup, 360 minutes, no goals, no assists. In the EFL Cup, the Carabao Cup, 120 minutes, one start, one famous assist for Divock against the Arsenal. Nico Williams, um, for me, is above Harvey Elliott, despite Brian's, um, you know, optimism for Harvey. I think Nico Williams is an absolute uh, phenomenon in the making. But then I'm Welsh, and maybe I'm being blinded by some sort of sense of patriotism. Oh, Nico, Nico Williams, I have to say, um, this guy's a talent. There's no denying it. Um, I, think, I think it has to be said that he is only going to get better. Um, I think I think we'll see him more next season as well. Um, I think he's about to sign a new contract as well, which I'm absolutely delighted about because, you know, for me, he is another one of those players who has really taken on, you know, coming coming to his coming to his stride stride a little bit. I mean, I'm I I mean I I gave him an eight because I just think the the impact he's made this season. Um, I remember remember him against Arsenal in that Carabao Cup game and. Uh, I thought he was outstanding when when he when he played, um, and he's probably better at right back than he is left back. I don't think he is uh, a left back. Uh, Brighton aside, uh, I I think he's been terrific, and I think he will. I think he will get better as well. And uh, he's only he's only very young as well. And uh, obviously, you being Welsh, Owen, I, I think you'll probably agree with me when I say this. I think Nico Williams is probably at some point going to be Wales's first choice right back. Oh absolutely. Yeah, the sooner the better. Um yeah, he's 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 absolutely terrific. Um yeah, it's a great answer. Um in terms of his development, I can see him he's got he's got a good physique already in terms of, you know, people have different sort of body sizes, body shapes. And you can see with his attitude, which seems to be spot on uh, Brian, that Nico Williams is, you know, he's going to keep working hard, he's going to keep developing, and he's going to be, he's going to be a, a great athlete, I think. Um, what do you like about him, Brian? Yeah, yeah, he, uh, he caught, he caught my eye uh, when he, uh, when he did get a go in the team. He, he, um, he took his opportunities with, with both hands. Um, you know, he, he, he made a couple of mistakes, but that's, that's okay, right? At that, that level, that's bound to happen. So that's that's. I'm not going to judge him on that. But he wasn't afraid to try things, and he and sometimes uh, he was um, the most noticeable. He was trying the most uh, noticeable moves in the game for such a young player. Um, yeah, he looks like a great uh, understudy to uh, to Trent. 
and um, again, ticks all the boxes. He's from Wales. We love Wales. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, uh, all good. Uh, and he's, you know, he's at the right age. I mean, all these play, all these young players, I mean, honestly, that like the, what they're doing and what, how they're playing for this club and the age that they are. I mean, from 17 to 22, 23, you know, if I just kind of think back to Steven Gerrard, what he was like, you know, when he first broke into the team and what he ended up being like when he was a, a statesman of the club at 22 or 23, he was a completely different animal. Um, and uh, yeah, look, I'm, I'm, you know, he, we've been so lucky over the past um, five, six years. We've been spoilt with all these young, great young players coming through, these exciting young players that we've seen tra transition from the under 23s into the first team. And uh, Nico fits very well in with that, with that bunch of players, you know, and I, and I can only see him uh, pushing on. We're in a very, very good position. And if that left back that we've just signed, is anywhere as good as his YouTube video suggests, <laughs> uh, then we're, we're really nicely set, right? We've got a couple of really, really explosive uh, players in, in, in the uh, fullback positions backing up our world-class fullbacks. And um, yeah, I, I'm very happy to see him in the team. But the, 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 times, the, the few times that he has gone to the team, I was really, really impressed with him. I don't think he put... As a young player, I don't think he put a foot wrong. You know, he 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 made a mistake in a couple of games, but I'm okay with that because you're going to make mistakes. What I, what I liked about him was like he just didn't look phased by it. And uh, for a player that young to come into a team like this and not to look phased says a, says a whole lot about him. So yeah, he's great, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing him develop over the years coming up. We've got so much to look forward to. We've got so much to look forward to. It's absolutely, it's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing being a Liverpool fan. Um, thank you very, very much, you two. Um, it's been brilliant to to wrap up this uh, this three-part epic Lord of the Rings-style um, player season review. Um, I've thoroughly enjoyed speaking to you guys today, so thank you so, so much. And, uh, you know, I mean... 2021 season is uh i think it starts in about 30 something days it's just brilliant <laughs> i can't wait um uh but uh, thank you so much for looking back on 1920 the year that broke the hoodoo thank you brilliant. So that's that for another episode of Cop On, if I may, with the swiftness of a plummeting bat. Please remind you that we are contactable via coponpodcast at gmail.com, blockable on Twitter at coponpodcast, or insupportable on patreon.com forward slash coponpodcast. Cop On is made for you, the dear sweet member of the worldwide LFC family, and I do hope you've enjoyed it. Stay safe, all of you. Look after people. Spread love. And I'll speak to you next time.